0: Smith, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for coming onto the program this morning.
1: Great, thank you very much, Peter.
0: That's Hanscom Smith, who is the U.S. Consul General to Hong Kong and Macau.
1: 567 a.m., Radio 3. To prevent pneumonia and respiratory tract infection, always keep hands clean and wash hands for at least 20 seconds. Put the lid down before flushing. Add water to U traps regularly. Cover your mouth and nose with a tissue when sneezing or coughing. Wear a mask and seek medical advice promptly if unwell. Fully cover your nose, mouth, and chin with a mask. Visit chp.gov.hk
0: to learn more. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a final look at the markets for this morning over in Australia. First of all, the SX200 is down around about 0.2%. Uh, the Nikkei 225 in Japan is moving in the other direction. It's up about a third of 1% also in South Korea. The Cosby is rising at the open. That's uh, ju- uh, uh, jumped about 0.6%. The Hang Seng here in Hong Kong is going to open about 100 points higher according to the future markets in the commodities markets Brent crude oil trading at $42.96 a barrel and gold is at $1,777 an ounce and the US dollar also a little bit firmer as well this morning trading at 107.6 against the Japanese yen. Thank you for listening this morning. Do please stay tuned for Back Chat after the news with Hugh Chiverton and Mike Krause. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock with Money Talk. The weather forecast, mainly fine apart from isolated showers. It's going to be very hot during the day, maximum temperature of about 33 degrees, and then mainly fine and very hot apart from isolated showers. In the next couple of days, there is a very hot weather warning in force. It's 30 degrees right now, 77% relative humidity. Coming up to 8.32, here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news.
2: India has surpassed Russia as the country with the third highest number of coronavirus infections. New cases hit a record high in each of the last three days, bringing the health ministry tally to about 690,000. More than 19,000 people have died with COVID-19. Here's the BBC's Ambrisan Etarajan.
3: In the southern city of Chennai, the numbers were going up. They relaxed the restrictions for a few days. But what happened was people started thronging to markets like the kitchen market or the fish market. And then the numbers started going up. They reimposed lockdowns, for example, in the city of Chennai and also in northeast of India. Now they're talking about reimposing these very, very strict measures in different cities across India. But what is now happening is whether the government needs to understand whether this is community transmission or it is happening in isolated places.
2: British museums, galleries, and theatres are getting almost 2 billion US dollars to help them overcome the crippling consequences of the coronavirus pandemic. The Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, said the culture industry was Britain's beating heart and the money would safeguard it for future generations. Here's the BBC's Will Gompertz.
0: Theatres, music venues, cinemas, and museums across the country have been brought to their knees by the COVID 19 pandemic with many saying they'll be bankrupt within weeks without emergency government support. Many arts leaders say they can now see a way for their organisations to survive, at least until the spring. As ever, the devil is likely to be in the detail. The government has not specified how the money will be divided between competing art forms or regions, nor how the application process will work.
2: Iran's Atomic Energy Organization says Thursday's fire at its Natanz facility has caused significant damage that could slow the development of advanced centrifuges used to enrich uranium. A spokesman, Behrouz Kalmavandi, said Iran would replace the damaged building. He said officials knew the cause of the fire but were not prepared to give details. Here's the BBC's James Reid.
0: Natanz is the centerpiece of Iran's uranium enrichment program, which Israel and the United States see as a threat. The admission that it suffered major damage came after satellite images showed a building apparently wrecked by an explosion. The question now is whether it was an accident or deliberate sabotage. The US and Israel are widely believed to have attacked Natanz a decade ago with a computer virus. Both have said they're determined to stop Iran developing technology that could be used to make a nuclear weapon. This time, Israel's defence minister said Israel was not necessarily behind every mysterious incident in Iran.
2: You're listening to the news on RTHK.
4: Good morning and welcome to Bank Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton. Your co-host today is Mike Rouse. Mike, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. More today, of course, on the national security law. Tam Chung has been downplaying concerns over the impact of the law, noting that only 10 people were arrested for allegedly violating new legislation during those clashes on July the 1st. He says the law hasn't affected freedom of expression here. You know, the government has pulled at least nine titles written by democracy activists and localists from the shelves of public libraries for review. And the Secretary for Justice has warned people not to test the new national security law by continuing to chant the slogan Liberate Hong Kong, the revolution of our times. The government issued a statement on Thursday saying the slogan, one well, of the most popular chanted at rallies over the past year, connotes Hong Kong independence, altering the legal status of the SAR or subverting state power. So how do you think going, things are going under what the South Channel Morning Post called the new reality? In what ways will the new legislation address the political problems uh, in Hong Kong? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Bank Chat and RTHK Radio Three. You can email us, Bank Chat at RTHK.HK, or you can give us a call. And our number is two three three eight eight two six six. Two three three eight eight two six six uh, is the number. Before we get to the guests, some uh, emails on uh, various topics. Uh, that uh, we've received uh, over the weekend, uh, as before, topic uh, discussions that are that are uh, primarily about um, uh, uh, RTHK. We will try to leave to another occasion when we can try and get when we can get somebody who will criticise uh, RTHK uh, on the program. Uh, meantime, this is from uh, David, who says Backchat is making a lot of effort to deliberately invite guests who focused on vilifying the new national security law for Hong Kong and no positive views to counter the. baseless arguments this morning. Judging by the comments to smear China's right to safeguarding national security on your show, one can tell from the comments on your show that colonial style outfits, self-proclaimed China experts and agents of hate are not happy about losing Hong Kong as a base and tool to hurt China's national security by mobilising local China-hating radicals to terrorise the local public. Professor Bing Ling was pathetic for suggesting that people could not be expected to abide by Chinese law as an English version of that law was quote not well translated if people took his advice English speaking people who cannot understand foreign laws written in any foreign languages laws should never visit work move to those foreign countries if you go to any foreign country you will be expected to abide by their laws period that comes from David just on the on note on the comment about the guests David if there's somebody you'd like to have on um, please let us know and we will invite them on we will do our best to get them on as I say we constantly try to get government officials. We haven't had no success in getting any government officials, uh, even though, of course, there are a lot of uh, areas and a lot of government officials who you think might be expected, given that that's their job, to come on and justify and uh, articulate the reasons and uh, the uh, reality of the national security law, uh, let alone executive councillors, of course, who are also paid to do the same thing but choose not to uh, come on the programme. We do try and get uh, people, we try and get uh, NPC delegates and we do try and get business people... uh, Uh, and others uh, uh, who uh, support uh, the national security law. And I think so far we've managed to uh, balance the programme pretty well. But I'm saying if if there is somebody you'd like us to get on, we will try. And uh, if we fail, then uh, it's their fault, not ours. Kim, meanwhile, says, Hello, chat. I feel flattered to have the opportunity to be lectured by Canadian Bowen with his theories. Instead of drawing attention to the rise of the extreme far right in Canada, with groups actively recruiting new members, buying weapons and trying to influence particle political parties with quote risks for physical violence to protect Canada's Christian and white identity according to Canadian government reports Mr Bowen actively preaches us about Hong Kong losing Western values people have been gunned down in Canada just for worshipping in a mosque Mr Bowen's wisdom could easily land him tenure at one of Hong Kong's universities it has for many other academics judging on the quality of the academics this show has been showcasing I pray for Mr Bowen that he will not be spat upon in the street or share the fate of a 92-year-old Canadian Chinese with dementia who was humiliated and shoved out the door for his unfortunately Chinese face. Even if he does not condemn violence against innocent people in Hong Kong, I care about the safety of Chinese people living overseas. In the meantime, Hong Kong will move on from colonialism and any nostalgia for it. That comes uh, from uh, Kim. Um, Thanks very much indeed for for those comments. Uh, Actually, uh, a couple more related. This is from uh, Voris. Uh, Who says I have been highly entertained by the back and forth between Bowen and Kim? But I wonder if Kim, who clearly lives here, is better qualified to render an opinion than Bowen, who doesn't. While he is clearly knowledgeable, Bowen would have to get his information secondhand from friends and others who may be biased or outlets like outlets like RTHK, CBC, MSNBC, CNN, which Donald Trump calls fake news, making loud pronouncements about what is best for Hong Kong from Canada. Is a bit like American politicians, many of whom have never travelled outside America, making international policy with no clue how their decisions impact locals on the ground. Think of Hillary Clinton, who was instrumental in getting regime change in Libya from the comfort of Washington, D.C. that resulted in massive poverty, rising violence, human slavery, as well as a migrant crisis in Europe. And that comes from Boris C. Uh, Boris, uh, Kim had previously said that uh, he or she is in Canada. So uh it may be that Completely the opposite of what you said uh, uh, applies. Um, have you considered that if the situation was 180 degrees different, then actually um, there's a
3: lot of people who live in Canada commenting on Hong Kong affairs. There are a lot? lot in the and media.
4: There are, and and to be fair, um, I can tell before we open the before <laughs> I open an email, uh, quite often what the content of the email will be because there are a number of anonymizing emails, There's Proton Mail and Hushmail, uh, for example. Mm. Um, uh, which are consistently used by by people who are uh, pro establishment, we put it like that, and generally anti RTHK. Um, so, and that's well, a. Well, that's wait a, a minute, that's, that's a an interesting pattern. distinction. Well, uh, <laughs> what's the distinction? Sorry. Was it
3: pro establishment and anti RTHK? Is it. Oh right. <laughs> is that
4: a distinction or a... I'm
3: just gonna let that one go by. I think I was thinking of Albert Cheng and Alex Lowe, for example, who write in the South China Morning Post. Yes. They're I think both based in Canada now.
4: Yes, yes. Well I know well, I know I mean as I say, Kim had previously said that he or she was yeah. was was writing from, from Canada and was I mean, talking about not friends that in that
3: Canada. Detracts from their right to comment, but it maybe nope, No not at all. Maybe they are less in touch, as was was implied by one of those. Well comments. that's what Boris is claiming, yeah. yeah yeah I think I live here every day and you do, and we go out on the streets every day and we meet other people. so maybe we're more in tune than people from Toronto well,
4: What do you think about the the anonymizing email? on that note Uh, well joining us for the first part of the program is uh, Edward Yum, a political commentator managing director of Ayasa Globo a subsidiary of a main board listed company Mr Yum, good morning to you Hey, morning, everyone. Thank you much indeed for joining us. How do you think things are going? We've had these kind of reactions from Canada and so on, We've had kind of the question of the libraries. Uh, we've had sort of reassurances from, from, uh, from uh, pro-establishment uh, heavyweights, as they're, they're sometimes called. We've got the libraries institute. You know, a lot has happened since this law came into effect only five days ago or six days ago. Uh, how do you think things are going?
5: Yeah, well, um, I think as a professional in the field of finance, I think um, I'm I'm a bit concerned about um, how the U.S. will react and what kind of action they will impose. Well, last week, well, I'm not uh, not suggesting anything, but last week I saw news saying that the U.S. House, actually the House of Representatives, already passed a bill of the sanctions on all the Chinese banks that are particularly related to the government officials who actually are, uh, are executing or are uh, initializing all these uh, all these actions and also uh, also the policies of the national security law so um, I guess um, the market would be um, quite cautious about you know how things will change in Hong Kong especially the banking system and and everyone knows you know Hong Kong dollar is packed to the US dollar so um, you know there will be significant impact if there's anything happen between U.S. and Hong Kong, especially um, U.S. dollar is limited to be used in Hong Kong. But mm-hmm.
3: well, that would certainly be a major step for the U- U.S. to take, wouldn't it? It would be uh, well, I would a significant say economic upward- bomb. Yes, it, it is an economic yes, bomb.
5: Yes, to to not only Hong Kong but also the bank who are affected, and also China as well, because um, the supply of U.S. dollar is basically the pillar or the fundamental of the uh, linked exchange rate system in Hong Kong and also uh, the financial system, system here in Hong Kong as well. So yes. um, if, um, if it happens, then, you know, it destroys basically everything.
3: Well, yeah, yeah we have lots of dollars and, and China has lots of dollars, but if they can't be cleared through New York, uh, actually the global economy takes a serious hit.
5: Um. Well, yes, this is. Indeed, serious, and that's why you know um, when the news came out, I, I think you know it, it's really shocked people, and and I, I think um, if well the, now it depends on the U.S. president Donald Trump whether he will sign on it. Uh, but I guess you know looking at the environment right now, the atmosphere, um, and you know how um, Nancy Pelosi uh, is going to push it, then. Uh, I think uh, it, it could it could happen very soon.
3: Oh, he's yeah. going to sign it. It depends what's in it and how it's the detail that comes later, um, because he's he couldn't sustain a veto. He's unlikely to veto it anyway. He's trying to portray himself as tougher on China than Joe Biden.
5: Right, right, right. And and so the point will be, uh, well, once he signs it, and and you know who or what bangs will be on the list. Uh, so this is um, going to be a big story, Yep, big headline.
3: What about the ratings yep. agencies here? I mean, it's been, mm-hmm. it's been suggested to me that Hong Kong's main value as the interconnection point between mainland China and the outside world ec- economic-wise is that we're a place where you can get an honest assessment of a, of a mainland company, of what's really going on. Do you think those rating agencies are going to become more cautious to criticize mainland firms?
5: Yeah, well, it it will. I mean, you know, set aside, you know, the major rating agencies are Um, U.S.-based. They're they're still holding very objective uh, opinions and analysis. Right. So, of course, um, I mean, you know, um, on on all the political risks and uncertainties, I think it's not only the Chinese. The Chinese uh, companies or entities would get affected, but also I think even Hong Kong local, yeah, will have the impact. So again, you know, if, if things happen that way, like, like we saw or on the news, and, um, yeah, then of course the entire Hong Kong, the entire financial markets here will be affected. So not only the Chinese companies, but of course, I guess, um, the, the banks, especially, you know, if, if the Chinese background banks, um, would be, I, I guess, maybe that the first set of, um, entities or financial institutions
4: uh, that would be put on list. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think that? Uh, I mean, how would Beijing respond to this? How would they respond in terms of you know if there were government officials targeted, and, and in general in Hong Kong, if there were if there were financial impact uh, from this and from the reaction, uh, would would Beijing want to step in and uh, prop up Hong Kong, support Hong Kong?
5: Yes, I I think well right now they they are quite determined um the hong kong government officials as you can see from all the press con and um how they address this issue i think our financial secretary uh had already addressed this and uh sounded so prepared so um i guess well they they will they will do everything to support hong kong um well not only for the interest here but also i guess um the, the Chinese companies here as, as well, because well, um, as, as you guys just, just mentioned, and and by the way, what a great debate among the audience, and uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, so the listed companies here, um, and and well, basically the exchange of Hong Kong are now welcoming back all these Chinese entities from the states and also from the other countries, so, or directly from China. So uh, I guess um, the Chinese entities hold a big stake here in Hong Kong. So uh, uh, well, there's no reason for them to see, you know, the destroy or the, the total devastating results by any policies or action uh, imposed by the US government.
3: So in a short term, in fact, the Hong Kong exchange could benefit from either companies having a secondary listing or even packing up their North American listing altogether. And certainly new companies looking to raise funds. Uh, why go to New York and give yourself a headache? Why not come straight to Hong well, Kong? Of
5: course- in in the short term, as you can see, the stock price of Hong Kong Stock Exchange actually skyrocketed and and gone up to the historic high. So you know, uh, well, that's that's market reaction for the short term benefits. But um, in in terms of like a uh, uh, future or you know how we can sustain or uh, you know how how the listed companies here be uh, producing, and also what kind of values that, again, not only the exchange or not only the stock itself, but also um, the Hong Kong dollar is, is oh. a bit of a concern. Yep. Mm-hmm.
4: Won't this in the end, though, after these ructions bring stability? At least we will know where we are uh, in relation to Beijing. And the markets love stability. Everyone loves stability when it comes to uh,
5: economics. talking about how the action by the state would affect the, the situation in Hong Kong. So, well, of course, right now, everything normal, you know, and, and if the money keeps flowing in, the listed companies keep coming back from the states or the other countries, that's fine, you know, it, it looks
3: Quite a lot of countries have expressed concern that the US enjoys an unreasonable privilege of being the world's reserve currency. US dollar is the world's reserve currency, which enables the US government to sort of have an impact on all sorts of issues all over the world. I think in the last, uh, in the previous show on Money Talks, a reference was made to FATCA so that America can take its laws and implement them pretty much everywhere, uh, mm-hmm. as, it choos- as it chooses, as a matter of policy. And I think a lot of countries, I'm thinking France now and Germany, feel a little bit uncomfortable at, at, at this privilege. Isn't there a danger from the US point of view that if they start to declare war on, on effectively on other countries' economies, um, that the world will have to move away from the US dollars just for self-defence?
5: Well, there will cost, but um, I guess, uh, well, the, the dominance of U.S. dollar still remains. So um, you just cannot change the position, you know, uh, in the near-term future. Right. So um, I guess the dominance of the U.S. dollar will enable um, the U.S. government to impose um, the suitable policy, uh, quote-unquote, quote, suitable policy for them. Um, to in, in anywhere, any part of the world, and including Hong Kong. So, um, well, and again, the fundamental and the foundation of the success of the financial markets of Hong Kong also depends on the uh, Hong Kong dollar and also uh, Hong Kong dollar packed to U.S. dollar, so, and, and also the supply of U.S. dollar. So if, if once the U.S. government stops all these, then um, the entire picture will change. But I, I don't see, like, how you can change dominance of U.S. dollar in just, you know, overnight, right? You're, you know, right now, like you said, you know, most of the government actually use U.S. dollar as the major reserve, and that's a fact, and that's, that's not so easy to change in a short period of time. Right. So um, Hong Kong, China, Germany, wherever, you know, we are on the same boat.
4: All right, here's some comments on, on other aspects uh, from our, our listeners. You said you were enjoying the, uh, the comments. Uh, Wilson says, Dear Backchat, that Chin Wan had to make a statement about censorship is sad, but this is the state of things the new national security law has brought. Had the pandems and James Tin allowed Hong Kong to pass a potentially less draconian law in the form of a local Article 23, and the pandems not encouraged last year's violent protests and made a bona fide attempt to rein in, if not condemn the violence... Uh, Would we have the current national security law and the current state of affairs? For all that, they owe Hong Kong an apology. I also see people have been clamouring for the removal of statues and other artefacts of racist British colonial past. Instead of removing these eyesores, why not install large signs on them, all stating... Uh, this is a reminder of the racist British colonial legacy and the shameful human rights abuses racist colonial Britain persistently inflicted upon non-white people, and that Hong Kong people were forced to spend some of their hard-earned money, send some of their hard-earned money to the UK to support British lowlifes like Prince Andrew and others who like sex with underage girls unquote. It would give work to many of the newly unemployed. That comes from Wilson. Peter says on the 20th of June, Nathan Law announced he would run in the upcoming LegCo election. Turns out on the 27th of June, he fled Hong Kong for the UK. Uh, Though I don't think his destination has been confirmed, has it? Anyway, Peter goes on. Uh, In his Facebook statement from that day, he lied to his supporters when he claimed to be no coward and that he did not leave out of fear of the national security legislation, but rather he was better qualified to work with western countries, leading the battle to top the Chinese government from overseas ending with a quote Once the CCP is toppled, I will return to Hong Kong and we can all have a wonderful reunion. This won't be long. Uh, Nathan Law is now working full time for his new masters in the UK and US, generating anti-China propaganda. While enjoying the millions of dollars from the now defunct Demosisto support fund, which he, Joshua Wong, Angus Chow have apparently divided among themselves, according to a leaked audio of their relevant discussion, discussing how the fund should be split. He truly lives up to the popular meme, I go to Yale, you go to jail. As For Joshua Wong and Agnes Chow, they're simply not in a position to leave as they had to surrender their passports due to pending charges. That comes uh, from Peter. Lou says, Dear Chat, I am a merely locally born Chinese with no Western passport. Every time I see some protesters waving their US, UK, Canadian passports, chanting their slogans, I feel so ashamed because I don't have any. Should Boris the Blondie, not the other one, floppy Trump, though both are known to be admired for their floppy hair and ability to govern, offer me a five-year pathway to a UK passport transport, which is apparently so much in demand that it is alleged that three million Hong Kong people will step over one another's body to apply for it. Maybe I should get one too, just in case I run out of newspaper for my dog's poo. I'm a responsible dog owner. That comes from Lou. <laughs> and Andrew Kay says, so Joshua and Nathan thought the government of China would kowtow to a few hundred thugs in Hong Kong, bent on destroying public property and threatening people who do not share their view. What could possibly go wrong? They will never set foot back in Hong Kong or China. Hope they enjoy living in a democracy somewhere. Perhaps their supporters could be encouraged to join them. Good riddance. Did they make enough money? That comes uh, from uh, Andrew Kay. And uh, Matthew says it's really starting to feel more and more like we are living in 1930s Germany than the the 2020s in Hong Kong. There are so many similarities. Extreme economic uh, instability catalyzed by the CCP's cover-up of the virus in Wuhan. China expanding its territory in the South China Sea and now making similar moves on the Indian border. Increasingly draconian suppression of freedom of speech and punishment of dissent by the CCP in the mainland and now in Hong Kong, including the banning of books. And of course the Chinese government's forced to of more than a million of its own people in re-education camps which are by de- definition actually concentration camps in which genocide is reportedly being carried out all that seems to be missing Ooh. are the mass extermination but they were a very late stage event in the parallel period we'd love to hear the guests' view on wh- what, on how what we are facing now is similar or different from the 1930s that is from Matthew back h- 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 email address uh, Edward Yum how are things going apart from the economy?
5: Again, everything looks normal, uh, but things may change uh, when the U.S. take action. So, well, let's see how things will be um, upon the bill and also how President Donald Trump will react.
4: Uh, okay, you don't think life has changed here? As I say, the South China Morning Post talked about a new reality. You don't see aspects Not of that? Yeah. Mm.
5: Well, of course, some some people are talking about immigration. They want to move away. Uh, they want to avoid all these Laws, such and such, but um, at least I, I guess you know the financial market, um, uh, and also people who work here. Um, yeah, well, uh, I think it's that's it, and, and life must go on. And uh, not until maybe um, some other more serious actions actually take in place, otherwise, uh, people would stay here. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's
3: something about that last comment that you read out, Hugh. Uh, I haven't heard, seen anything about genocide um, in the camps where the Uyghurs are being detained. I mean, people are being detained, there's no question. Uh, the stand, the this quality of life in the camps, I don't know what it's like. I imagine it's not that happy. Uh, but sort of mass extermination of people on an industrial scale, there's been no uh, suggestion of that at all. Uh, I think that's a bit of wild allegation. Have you heard anything on that at all?
5: Well, um, you see, uh, July 1st, um, well, of course, some people got arrested uh, due to the new law and um, the new rules, and uh, I think uh, I believe 10 of them, right? Yeah, 10 of them are now being charged of uh, violating the national security, the new one, the new national security law. Um, nine of them got released, one still detained. Um, well, now it's I guess it, it will enter the legal procedures. So uh, we, we, we'll see. And I think not only the people in Hong Kong, but also um, states and also everyone else in the world will look at how the court here in Hong Kong uh, will take all these cases. So, um, it minute, may,
4: it you know. may refer to, I'm not sure Matthew, Matthew maybe could add some more, but it may refer to, uh, for example, uh, the population the sterilisation of uh, people in, in yeah. Xinjiang. Uh, anyway, Edward Young, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us, political commentator and managing director of IASA Global. We'll continue after the news and weather, 30 degrees at the moment, relative humidity is at 75%.
2: ...could only be made once it became clearer how the situation developed. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
4: Welcome back. This is Backchat on a Monday morning, first one of the week, with uh, Mike Rouse and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're talking about aspects of the national security law, especially uh, the business side and the economic side. We talked to uh, political commentator and businessman Edward Yum in the first part of the the programme. We're joined uh, in the second part by uh, Edward Liu, who's vice president of the Hong Kong and Mainland Legal Profession Association. Uh, We'll be joining him uh, in just a moment. Once again, uh, if you want to uh, discuss anything, then call. Well, it's on two three three We'll put you on air. Uh, or you can comment on our Facebook page, Backchat and RTHK Radio 3. Uh, or, of course, you can uh, send us an email, bankchat at rthk.hk. Please keep it relevant. Please keep it short as well, because then I won't have to chop you up. Uh, Richard S. says There are four or more possibilities why government officials won't appear on your programme. One, too busy. Two, too arrogant. Uh, Three, don't respect your programme as you broadcast to an insignificant minority audience. Four, they are on a short lease from above to the north. They don't have permission to respond on a perceived irregular channel deemed to be open-minded. That's ironic, it being a government station. Not sure which one it is. Have I missed something? That comes uh, from uh, Richard, who also says, Mike, uh, I wouldn't be too concerned about France and Germany, as you suggest. They dominate Europe and had their chance counter the dominance of the US dollar with the euro. They had their chance and they blew it. That comes up from Richard S. Uh, Andrew says... Uh, Perhaps it is just pure coincidence that Beijing were prepared to leave us alone in terms of national security for the 22 years post-handover that Hong Kong functioned as normal, deciding to introduce the law after a year of violence, property destruction, solicitation of sanctions from overseas and latterly improvised IEDs, attempted trail derainments and huge amounts of explosives being found. However, leaving aside how we got here, it's definitely worrying that authorities already seem to be using the law for themes like removing Joshua modestly titled tome, I am not a hero. I certainly agree with him at arresting people for independence flags. While I doubt there is any chance of successful prosecution of these cases, I do think the very fact that people are being arrested will likely have a chilling effect on freedom of speech. That comes, i say, from Andrew, it's Andrew F., I think. And uh, Drake says, read the dominance of the US dollar, the dominance of Chinese infrastructure across Belt and Road countries and hence control over their sovereignty is making the world uneasy. Look at the failure of Gabrielsus-led WHO. He got the position with the support of African-Chinese satellite states. If US had been a threat to the European allies, I don't know what the PRC is. That comes from Drake. Thank you very much
3: indeed. OK, well, we welcome in the second half Mr Edward Liu. Uh, good morning,
4: good
6: Mr Liu. Morning. Welcome good to the show. Yes, yeah, thank you.
3: Thank um, you. When I was Director General of Investment Promotion in Invest Hong Kong, we used to do an annual survey of what foreign countries liked, companies liked about setting up in Hong Kong. And the biggest things were rule of law, free flow of information, and a a business-friendly tax system. But looking at those first two, uh, rule of law and free flow of information, then I'm reading stories about Library books being taken off the shelf. Uh, That doesn't quite square with the free flow of information, does it?
6: Well, yeah, thank you for the very good uh, question, actually. Um, I understand the concerns about the rule of law and the free flow of information that whether they are being threatened because of the national security law. And for the single case like the library, whether they are taking away some books, Because this is at the very initial stage of implementing the national security law, everyone, including every even the 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 government um, uh, departments, are still trying to understand it. So um, it's it's really hard to say now that whether it is already uh, uh, the 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 information flow of. uh, uh, the the free informa- flow of information is being is being enrolled, but still that you can see we are free to talking about the national sexual law here and uh, I'm still free to use Facebook, Instagram or whatever uh, the means that we normally use. And also, as you said, the reason why I think before the people, especially for the foreign investors, including the Chinese investors coming to Hong Kong to make the investment in here, and they only care about for example, the of law, the free, uh, the, the free flow of information and other factors, but didn't mention anything about the security or the stability of the society. It's because before June last year, Hong Kong, no one doubted Hong Kong would lose the stability. No one would worry about whether Hong Kong is safe or not. So that's the reason why the factor didn't mention. Yeah, right. I think. But you actually make a very important point hidden in
3: there, maybe not hidden, um, is that mainland companies who are now the most numerous in Hong Kong come here for precisely the same reason as American and European companies. They like the level playing field. They like a judiciary which ad- adjudicates on commercial contracts yes. I- impartially.
6: Yes, That's exactly. I agree. Yeah. So
3: we, all of us, should be defending the rule of law. We should be linking hands to do this.
6: Yes, I agree. I agree. Um, I'm, as you know, I'm a lawyer. Uh, So as a member of the law community, definitely that defending rule of law is uh, one of our duties. But again, that how you defend this rule of law or other core values of Hong Kong, probably different people have different means and different ideas. And again, I agree, as you said, that the, the, the most advantage of Hong Kong it is because of the common law jurisdiction and the roof law and other core values that we have always been trying to maintain uh, since the handover and including the Chinese companies, the mainland companies, they like to use Hong Kong at their base to go outside. It's because of this, uh, this, these advantages. So yes, indeed, we, we need to maintain those core values. But on the other hand, you would, you would see that after the those social unrest the lasting more than actually more than one year um many core values has been enrolled actually uh, has been threatened, including the roof law people would n- 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 would uh, uh, beat people the, the other opposing uh, uh, people who who, who hold, holding the opposing ideas uh, on the street and they even can, uh, uh, can threaten the judges who made the deal, uh, who made the rulings against their views. So I'd like to quote actually uh, a few um, uh, index of the rankings that Hong Kong has been uh, fallen in various index over the past six years to show that why um, the. The social unrest is the most critical and common factor behind Hong Kong's fall uh, and also why the people, especially the foreign investors, are worried about the security and stability. For example... Um, According to the Heritage Foundation's 2020 Economic Freedom Index released in March this year, Hong Kong lost the freest economy title to Singapore after having held it for 25 years. The ranking report unmistakably states that a continued political and social turmoil has begun to undermine Hong Kong's reputation as one of the best places to do business and has reduced investment inflows. The city also slide back three places to six in the Global Financial Centres Index, published in March again by the United Kingdom's that Yen Group and the China Shenzhen Research Institution for Integrated Development. A legal director with a Hong Kong investment management firm is quoted in the report as saying, due to social unrest, it is expected that talents will continue to be drained and the supply and demand for skilled labour will decrease. In early June, Hong Kong was dealt another blow when it fell from second place last year to fifth place this year in the Institute for Management Development's annual report on world competitiveness. The IMD says that in its report that Hong Kong's fall is due to its weak economy. Performance and social unrest, besides its exposure to the mainland economy, you, you, you didn't see you not see any of this kind of comments in the previous index rankings, sort of because no one would even worry about Hong Kong again about Hong Kong's security or, or so safety.
3: you're saying our strengths was, are still our strengths, but we had this new weakness of social unrest.
6: Exactly, I but, agree. But on the
3: other hand, um, if I if I write. Uh, I actually have written the opposite way. So I I have written that independence for Hong Kong is a nonsense. um, Mm. But I don't sort of get agitated about people who write in the opposite direction as long as that's all they do. Mm. If they write and say, uh, advocate something like that, I think they're silly and they're wrong, but they're entitled to that. But saying when the government issues a statement saying that mere repetition of a phrase Is against the law. Whoa! (laughs) Should governments be doing that?
6: Well, um, I, well, I'm not. I'm not a real expert in the national security law, and I'm doubtful that whether in Hong Kong any lawyers uh, now can claim themselves are expert in this regard. But. But you see that the Secretary uh, for Justice and the Secretary for Security have been uh, accepted to a number of interviews in the past few days. And uh, uh, Mrs. Uh, uh, Theresa Cheng, the Secretary for Justice, was questioned by, I see, including a program uh, of, of RTHK and also the TVB, that uh, whether when people say that eight words in Cantonese are really uh, in breach of uh, of the national security law. And I believe uh, the Secretary said that it really depends on the whole facts. And uh, the judiciary will see not only the people saying those eight words, but will see the whole uh, consensus and to make the decision.
3: Right. There's but, a difference. You say liberate Hong Kong is one thing, and... Liberate Hong Kong, and I'm making bombs to help achieve that. <laughs> those are two different things, aren't exactly,
6: they? Exactly. I agree. Actually, I think in the... Na- uh, not I think. Actually, it's expressly stated in the national security law that only when you are doing or, or committing those four crimes with the purpose of those uh, uh, stipulated, um, um, like the... Lib- making making the Hong Kong independent from China or sort of then that will definitely contra- uh, contravening the the law but uh, uh, i again I recall that the secretary for uh, secretary for security mentioned that if you are a teacher and you are teaching the national security law, you are making the the examples that whether they are probably uh, uh, against the law or not, or you are from the pure academic purpose to discussing uh, those kind of stipulated crimes, then that would be very unlikely for for that person to be you know trapped by these laws so that is uh, yeah, but a ministerial statement is
3: not the same thing as the law, is it mm. and not necessarily reassuring, so there could be a chilling effect apart from. The law
6: itself, and how we might hope that it's fairly administered. I agree. Again, I think that uh, as the law has just uh, came into effect, it still takes time for everyone to uh, to wait and see how the government, including both the Hong Kong government and central government, to implement it. And also, of course, uh, another worry of of the people when they when they see um the full text of the law saying that okay the interpretation of of the law is within the hand of the NPCSC, the National People's Congress Standing Committee, but not it uh, did it didn't say that the court, the Hong Kong courts have the right to interpret it. But of course um I, I think I'm I'm also I'm I'm qualified in both mainland China and also England and Wales. Okay, from a Chinese lawyer's perspective, that is quite normal for a Chinese law to say that because the the interpretation right is, uh, is in the in the in the NPCSC. But on the other hand, it doesn't mean that the court. Do not have the right to interpret it because otherwise they will not make the desi- They will not be entitled to make the decision. So right. um, the, the court
3: must inter- must interpret the law first.
6: Yes.
4: And the ultimate power of interpretation lies with the standing committee. Or yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I was interested in what you were saying about, about the the heritage. Uh, the Heritage Organisation. What's it called? The Heritage Foundation. Heritage Foundation. Heritage Foundation. Uh, and yes. their, their ranking, which, as you know, sort of Britain, uh, sorry Hong Kong has for a long time sort of touted as a, yeah. you know, something to be to be proud of. and You, you quoted there, and they—they they, they do indeed say that the, the political turmoil has begun to erode Hong Kong's reputation as a, as a place to do business, and that's why it slipped down to number two. They also said um, uh, Hong Kong's traditionally open and market-driven economy has become increasingly integrated with the mainland mm. through trade, tourism, and. Finance financial. financial links, risks to Hong Kong's economic freedom have grown correspondingly. So they're saying that the closer Hong Kong comes to the mainland, the more that its economic freedom declines. Do you agree with that? Or are you cherry-picking things?
6: <laughs> Not really cherry-picking things, because I, I saw that we are coming to talk about the national security mm. law, so that uh, my point is reason why it is necessary to Hong Kong, because we are losing the security and stability of this society. Um, well, OK, well, my
4: point might be that the Heritage Foundation, uh, Heritage Foundation is, is, is known As a kind of right-wing organization, it has its place within domestic politics. Frankly, within within the US, yes. Um, And um, really, that should alert us to the fact that Hong Kong is becoming a little bit of a football uh, between the US and China, and we're Mm. caught up to to a large extent uh, in in uh, you know in in this um, global kind of competition between. between We're we're a theater of war, and we've become a a theater of war, you know. Do you agree with that? And if so, should we be trying to stay back or should we be saying definitely we're on one side or or what? Would we yeah. be better off if we could somehow just sort of step back a little bit? Yeah, because and, and I, uh, I
6: think a lot of people in Hong Kong might kind of feel that. I understand your your point mm-hmm. and I to some extent I agree. But let's not forget that Hong Kong different to any other country independent countries in the world. They can all uh choose a side or stand by, back and, and, and to, to like the third party looking the fight between US and China. Hong Kong cannot, honestly, because we are one, under one country, two systems, and Hong Kong is a part of China. So how could we say, OK, we, we stand back and just to let uh, our the motherland, China, and to fight against U.S. And we are even uh, looking uh, around and see who is going to win this uh, this game. Well, I mean, so- let's
4: take HSBC for an example then. Mm. Instead of obliging – because the government didn't quite do it, of course. But, you know, how would you feel about, you know, uh, what the South Taiwan Post called – Putting HSBC in a vice, mm. uh, you know, putting applying pressure to support this national legislation <laughs> before they'd seen it, <laughs> uh, and so on. Making them pick sides in that way, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, i Because that would be free. We would be free to say you don't have to say we support this or we I, don't support it
6: Yeah, that. I agree, actually. For individual enterprises and uh, in, individual person, mm. I, I believe that uh, it's not really necessary or, or, or anyone should not be composed to say anything to whether they support it or not, especially for the business sector. I agree with you that including HSBC, that uh, Cathay, and Cathay, yes, yes, mm. I agree that they are business sectors, and for being chosen, is, choos- it, is it is it a bit like beating up people on the streets? Is it the
4: equivalent did, of that? Did, you were you were criticizing people, you know, being attacked on the streets for, for. Uh, for, for not siding, not agreeing with certain things. Actually, is it, is it a business equivalent? Let, let,
6: let's look at the way, uh, the other way. You know, you, you see that when H- HSBC make the announcement to support the national security law, what the UK government did is that they criticised the HSBC as well, and saying that you should not say that. So both governments are doing the same. Actually, you know, two the, sides to a vice. But, yes. But
3: yes. did the did the government here say to HSBC, you no. must now come out no. and support the law? No. But HSBC thought it's in our interest to say publicly that yes, we support yes, the law. Yes, uh, probably,
6: yes. That's, and, and also that's CY, I'd CY like to, who CY no, not, not really, CY in, in the Facebook saying, uh, you must say so, right? But on the other hand, let, let's compare. In the last year for the uh, uh, extradition bill, um, no one have no doubt that most of the bi- business sectors come out even for the pro establishment business people saying that ah please would you uh, suspend this uh, this law uh, this amendment to the law and and even to obviously say apparently say that we we do not support it but for this time you see at least for the pro establishment business sector they all probably all support it that's the difference you know and i uh, i'm not'm not sure not a, a stronger whip
4: from the from the <laughs> A liaison office? That's no, the uh, you, you recall, us, really actually, to, I in, don't know, I mean.
6: starting, starting from May last year, uh, the central government already made it very, uh, the stance very clear that they support the Hong Kong government to pass the amendments to the Extraction Bill. Right, and but so, the
3: business community, led by the General Chamber, was fiercely against and saying mm. this is not enough consultation but d- time. But d- is and it and different general. this time? We don't know, I guess. The Hong Kong government hasn't said anything publicly.
6: Mm. I, well, but you see, let, let, let's do, don't mention about those uh, China, uh, Hong Kong local uh, Co- Chamber of Commerce, but we, we see the U.S. Um, Chamber of Commerce in Hong Kong, they, I recall, made an announcement in uh, on Friday or Saturday. They say that uh, they uh, most of the, their members will still use Hong Kong as the base for their business uh, for mainland, Chinese, uh, mainland China market and also the East Asia market. And, of course, they, they also said in their, in their announcement that they need to uh, to, to understand, to look into uh, the national security laws. Um, but, again, turning back to the very beginning uh, uh, our discussion, is that Hong Kong still has our own advantages. And once Hong Kong can return to normal, then the business investors would come come still use Hong Kong uh, as the base for their business. And whether Hong Kong has too much relationship with China, first of all, Hong Kong is part of China. And second, most of the foreign investors, I believe they choose Hong Kong for their business is because of the massive market of China. So if Hong Kong has no such advantage, then I believe they can, they can go anywhere else, like Tokyo, Singapore, or any competitors in the region. To what extent is, that, is this okay. our,
3: our own fault? Mm. I mean, the Macau legislation on national security has 10 articles. Mm. Uh, they did it themselves. Uh, there's no reference to Beijing, yeah. and here we are. We've got over sixty articles. It was imposed by Beijing, yes. and Beijing has reserved to itself certain certain rights it didn't keep. We we did this to ourselves. Oh, this
6: was a huge own goal, wasn't it? I, I yes, I agree. Actually, um, we we for we we were given uh, twenty three years to make this uh, Article Twenty Three of the uh, Basic Law uh, to be our own law. And so you you know that I was very uh, surprised and very sad that when the NPCSC make the decision on making this law and our um, pro-pandemic legislators on the same day make a statement saying, ah, this should be done by our own legislature under the Article 23 of the Basic Law rather than the central government to make it for Hong Kong. At the time, I thought like, come on, you were given 23 years to do it. And and you always say that Hong Kong is dead or one country, two systems is dead. And then it makes, I think, the central government has no alternative but to make it. So who is going to be blamed, yeah. right? Uh, w- one other thing is, um, th- this question of sort of stability
4: and, and, and certainty. Um, uh you know, we were saying in the first part of the programme today that, you know, business likes stability, like to know where they are, they know how to know where they stand. But it seems that in many respects, this new national security legislation has added a, a huge degree of uncertainty. You said yourself you're not an expert on the law, so you can't really <laughs> say whether something is illegal or not. And we've had, you know, contrasting views from government officials, from different uh, authorities from MPC, you know, delegates and so on, all saying this is illegal, that isn't illegal, you can do this, you can do that you you can't do this, you can't do that people don't know where they stand, people are uh people are deleting their uh what they've said in in social media and so on you get these books pulled off the shelves uh, i mean the point about a chilling effect is that you don't know where you stand and it seems to me that at least at the moment that applies to a lot of aspects of life in hong kong we just don't know where we stand under as i say this new reality can that be good for business
6: well um let, let, let's put it this way mm. two two examples Um, Two years ago, when when Hong Kong were discussing about the West Kowloon railway station, that whether to should allow the Chinese Immigration Authority to come to Hong Kong and make the the checking point, and people were worried about it. And you see that in the past two years there's no even single case to say that they are abusing this right to uh, uh, uh to against the hong kong people's freedom in the hong, uh, in the west Kowloon west uh, railway station and the other side of, uh, i always think probably people are too uh, too worried about it the reason why is you see that melon chinese Milan china they have their new version the current version of the national security law in 2015 and after that you didn't see any declining of uh, the foreign foreign investment in mainland china but only increase and if even the us uk people or the foreign investors are not afraid of making investment in mainland china which is directly governed by the Communist Party, then why they are afraid of Hong Kong for this piece of law, right? And also, again, I think it's, a, it's still at a very early stage of this uh, enforcement of the uh, enactment of the law. So let's wait and see. Don't make the conclusion. But, but so quickly. some okay. of
3: the aspects do contravene common law principles. Mm.
6: That's that's like what? I, you made like you made
3: what? the point about about it was the common law that reassured. People. What what contravenes? Re- uh, there is a specific clause in there that certain things are not subject to judicial review. There's a specific <laughs> clause in the in the articles well, about uh, the mainland people ca- can do certain things and cannot be stopped, and their vehicles <laughs> cannot be searched. Let, let so, me make a
6: make a point. You know that uh, that's my my view. After 1997, of course, that common law is still maintained. That's my personal view, but. Because Hong Kong is part of China, and China is a civil law uh, jurisdiction. So there are probably some new elements of the common law in Hong Kong. And uh, let's again not forget, this national security law is a national law made by the NPCSC rather than the Hong Kong Legislative Council. Okay. So, that's the point.
4: All right. So Quite a few emails I'd just like to get to. Sorry, the long ones. I will have to edit for, for length. Um, let's see. Uh, on uh, Facebook, uh, Gerhardt says, uh, scare tactics seem to work in China. So, China sends in the henchmen. Desperate measures of a country's leadership losing control at home. Uh, TC says, uh, re. Uh, Boris's comment, that's about being in Canada or not being in Canada. TC says just because you don't live in that particular place, it doesn't mean you're not knowledgeable enough to comment. Canadian newspapers are reported significantly on Hong Kong. Uh, uh, P.S. I'm uh, so, yeah, I reject the view that people living in Canada are unqualified to offer an opinion on Backchat or else or anywhere. Furthermore, living in Canada allows people to see how absurd Hong Kong has become. P.S. I'm proudly writing to Backchat from uh, Canada. Um, and uh, Drake says, this is to the point about the uh, genocide, and we've had a, quite a few kind of emails on that topic. Uh, Drake says, women are forced to undergo abortion in the Uyghur concentration camp. Is that If that is not a form of silent genocide, what is it, Mike? killing lives in the womb doesn't justify a genocide. Come on. Martin says, true, I find it extraordinary if Chinese is the specific medium for the national security law and English is only added for guidance. We in Hong Kong are familiar with the accepted basic law principles that Chinese and English are of equal status. This has huge implications for the basic law, the rule of law in Hong Kong and the status and working judiciary. All are now under question. Is there any reason to trust the basic law under these circumstances or is there any reason why international investors should continue to expect Hong Kong to be a place to trust and come to? I think no on both counts John says there is no rule of law the police are searching people closed tunnels to search for cars without due cause and arresting people having leaflets in their bag or pocket books removed from shelves just days after the NSL law was started will it get better? Uh, Of course not Uh, And Matthew says, Mike, last week there were credible reports of sterilizations taking place in the Xinjiang camps. And he has a link to that uh, foreign policy uh, story uh, on that uh, topic. Uh, And uh, Peter says, as for the wild, outlandish claims about mass sterilization of Uyghurs and concentration camps suddenly cited by the mass media, RTHK and some China-hating commentators, one does not need to look further than the Wikipedia page of the... German author Adrian Zenz of those fake studies. Some points stick out immediately which put him on a religious crusade against China and communism. Uh, uh, the mass media and RTHK should hold themselves to a higher standard and investigate the sources and credibility of those outlandish reports before simply parroting them. And it's only the Western countries who suddenly come up with these reports. Even all the Arab countries which are predominantly Islamic actually are very supportive of China's policies in Xinjiang. You might want to contrast this with their statements towards US policies on Arab countries. I'm just waiting for a report from the China haters that say in China they roast children. That comes uh, from Peter. Thank you very much Need for all those emails. I won't be able to get to all of them but uh, the bulk. Thank you very much indeed and thank you very much indeed to Mr Liu, Edward Liu uh, there, Vice President of the Hong Kong and Mainland Legal Profession Association. Thank you very much indeed for, for, for joining us this morning. Uh, Mike, many thanks to you. All
3: the fun of the fair.
4: All the fun of the fair today in every direction, all at once. The weather, mainly fine apart from isolated showers, very hot, temperatures up to about 33 degrees, mainly fine and very hot apart from isolated showers in the next couple of days. 29 degrees now, Humidity at 79 percent to prevent the spread of covid 19 try flexible working hours and
1: staggered meal breaks wear a mask on public transport avoid crowded lifts try not to hold large meetings and reduce face-to-face contact with colleagues avoid meal gatherings stay away from crowds after work wash hands frequently and keep the workplace clean if you feel unwell stay away from work and see your doctor Visit coronavirus.gov.hk for details.
4: I'm 33, the news now with Samantha Butler.
2: A doctor has blamed Hong Kong's quarantine arrangements, saying it's not satisfactory that Hong Kong is seeing local coronavirus cases every two to three weeks. Dr Leung-Chi Chiu from the Medical Association called for the government to set aside quarantine hotels. The border between Australia's two most populous states will close from Wednesday after the state of Victoria reported 127 new coronavirus infections overnight, the biggest since the pandemic began. It also reported one death, taking the country's total tally to 105. And India has surpassed Russia as the country with the third highest number of coronavirus infections. New cases hit a record high in each of the last three days, bringing the health ministry tally to about 690,000. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. Good morning.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. And good morning to you too. How are you doing? Hello. Excellent. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. fine, thank you.
2: Thanks for inviting me to your show. You.
1: Good morning. Good to see you.
2: <laughs> on your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning.
5: <laughs> Good morning to you and welcome to another sunny Monday right here on The Morning Brew. I'm Phil Whelan. Big up James Ross for looking after you for a couple of days last week as well. So down to it. We're going to be talking to the CEO of Hong Kong Rugby. That is, of course, Robbie McRobbie. 10.10 for his weekly report. It's not good news, I'm afraid, as you probably already know. 10.40, New York correspondent Tracy Kwan is back with news of her week in the Big Apple. And as the issue of statues, why they are there in the first place and what they've come to represent gets even more complex, after 11, I'm going to welcome...